are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7400. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Jacob Hillman on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call 334-321-1390. Text line at 334-564-1840. Find Jacob and I on Twitter at Point Gardner at Jacob underscore Hillman 3. News all across your Tuesday afternoon edition of the show. But before we get to the saga of conference realignment. Jacob, how are you today? Well, it, it's one of those things where, as someone who's against Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC and turning college football into There seems like the there's wild, a decent amount West, of people like that, though. I think, well, here's the thing. I think that looking at it from now, when we look at it, when we look back at our reactions right now, I think we might be thinking, okay. Maybe we were a little too scared of this new big and bad college football. But other than that, I'm doing well today. It's a little too hot for my liking, but it's great here in Auburn, Alabama. You know, I'm just thinking about Vanderbilt right now and how helpless they are. <laughs> At least they have the academics and baseball and bowling, <laughs> I guess. This is kind of bad for Vanderbilt on all levels, though. Of course, they were already the bottom of the SEC, so they can't really get better in football and basketball, or it can't get worse, I should say. It can't get worse for Vanderbilt, I don't think, on football and basketball with Oklahoma and Texas joining. Baseball, though, they just added two teams that could beat them and give them more losses. Right, and I do think that Texas is absolutely the powerhouse that we've seen historically. They're 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 making the charge back because they, they had a few years where they were not really at the top of the NCAA, but they're back. And I don't know when Texas and Oklahoma will join. That will probably be revealed in the coming months. Well, there's some wiggle room there. And yeah. their statement and the SEC statement, Greg Sankey put one out earlier today, which, of course, if you've been living under a rock or, or you just have been away from something that could get you news and you're just now getting this, thank you for joining us on the line. But also... Oklahoma and Texas formally asked to join the SEC today, which was the next step in them attaining membership in the league. The next step is for the presidents to vote, and they need 11 of 14 to agree, which I'm curious, and I wonder how close it's going to be with all of them agreeing. Like, I wonder what Auburn's going to do here. I wonder if Auburn wants them in. I don't think Auburn does, but they're going to vote yes. Why? Because of money. And also, I just think, I think there's two, it's going to be 13 or 14, that vote. And Texas A&M is a wild card. I think they'll ultimately end up saying yes because I don't think I, – I don't know because if they want to – I think I saw something about them trying to file lawsuits and stuff against the SEC because of contractual things. So maybe they will vote no because of that. But I just – I don't think any other team will vote no. Because What's the harm in voting no if you're Texas A&M? There's right. no harm in voting no. You might as well just to save yeah. face. I just think that also... So we don't want you here. They, well, then you look scared. They've already said stuff, though, that is like, we don't really want them here. Right. And I think that you get that 
heat off your back when you vote yes. You're you're gonna have the few people say, oh, they did it for the money, or they did it because they the SEC told them to vote yes. I don't know. I I just I think that I think it'll end up being unanimous. I think it'll come out unanimously. The SEC votes Ugh. Texas and Oklahoma in. Ugh. I mean, I can just see that headline. Well, I'm curious about a lot of things in regards to this. Just like a lot of people are, there's no way to map out how how all of this is going to unfold. So I want to devote this segment here to what should be the questions? What questions should we be asking moving forward in this conference realignment saga as the tectonic plates of college football shift and reverberating as the earthquake that is Oklahoma and Texas? What should we be asking at the moment moving forward? We want to hear from you. What are your thoughts on that? 334-321. 1390. Jacob, I'll leave it up to you. First question that you think that we should be asking. This may take us a while, so let's hammer it out. Yeah, and I'll I'll ignore the obvious what's going to happen with scheduling within the SEC, what's going to happen to the rest of the Big 12 schools. I'm I think lo- all of the questions are away from the SEC. Right. I'm not even wondering right. what things look like in the SEC. That's the easy part to figure out. That's the fun yeah, part that, to figure yeah, out. Yeah, you're right. That is the fun part, but it's something I want to know. But I'll go on the national scale. What happens to the college football playoff? Because I do think that there is a chance that all these conferences, if they go to the 16 to 20 team conference, super conferences, they're going to end up going to pods. They're going to go to four divisions. And if you do that, how do you do your conference championship? Are you going to add a, a play-in game to the conference championship where each division is paired up and then they play the play into the conference championship? And if they do that, do we still get a 12-team playoff? Because then you get to the point of these teams are playing 16 to 17 games per year. That's already the direction that we're heading in right now, though. Right, 12-team well, playoff. That's what I'm saying is I think if we're to get some kind of weird conference tournament where you have a semifinal game and to get into the conference championship, I'm not sure we get to 12 teams. Because if you do that, then that kind of eliminates the purpose of the 12 teams, in my opinion. Now, of course these conference championships can end up just being the top two teams. That's what I'm saying is no one's one's talking about the college football playoff because, I don't know. What about the money, Jacob? You're right. That's why we want more games. And look. That's literally everybody's only answer is the matchups are fun and there's more money. That's why my question is, what happens to the college football playoff and college football playoff expansion if there is going to be expansion after all of this? And that's that's what's so confusing to me is that do, is Greg Sankey, in his mind, is he thinking, we're going to bring more SEC games because we're going to have a nine-game SEC schedule after Oklahoma and Texas join, and then we're going to get three or four SEC teams in the playoff every single year. That's just more money to the SEC. That's all this is. Which is more likely than divisions, or and now it is time to introspectively look at the SEC, which is more likely than pods or divisions. It has to be pods, because that's one of those really? things that's, I think so, because it's been talked about since Missouri and but Texas then A&M joined. what about your said conference tournament, right? Like, well, how do you decide the conference champion at that point? Well, that's, you, I don't know how they would match teams up, but I think it'd be East champion, West champion, North champion, South champion, whatever the division names are, and then they're kind of paired up. I don't know how they'd be paired up. But those, the four champions of each division would kind of play each other for the conference championship. So you think it's, it's more likely it's a, that... It's a college football playoff of the SEC. So you think it's more likely that the college football playoff expansion has changed from the format than what we've seen recently? I really don't know. That's why, that's why it's my big question is, I don't know what direction the college football playoff goes from here. Because I think it could go a drastically different direction than what we were talking about in June when they proposed the 12-team playoff. 
because I'm trying to wrap my mind around what you've all just said, which is all valid. Like you're, you're not wrong. And, and it is a spaghetti web of, of different yarns, you know, it because looks like depending on what each conference does could completely change what the college football playoff does. So I get into this with you and you mentioned that you think pods are most likely. And if pods are most likely, then it brings up the question, how does the SEC determine its champion? And that's you saying a four-team playoff in the SEC to determine the SEC champion. I think there's potential for that. I'm not sure if they will. But But then your problem with the 12-team college football playoff still existing under that scenario is that teams are playing too many games at that point. Then we are getting to too many games, I think. If, if, If each conference is playing its own mini playoff and then they have to go play in the college football playoff, then I think it's a little bit too much. So does that mean that the college football playoff will have to change its format? Very possible. Because here's the thing. We know it's the conferences that run that, pretty much. And we saw how Notre Dame Athletic Director, the SEC... Do you think the CFP had any knowledge of any of this that was about to be undertaken? Do you think... Not officially. Do you think they had any knowledge of this? Not I don't think that... Greg Sankey or a Texas or Oklahoma person, maybe someone that d- didn't want it to happen, but it, w- it would have been a very unofficial, hey, by the way, this might happen, but they didn't know for sure. And that's what I'm saying is I think I think things have to be adjusted now. Notre Dame's going to join a conference. so that the, That's probably why the, no- the Notre Dame athletic director probably knew, and that's probably why he was okay with putting in the proposal that Notre Dame can't have a bye week. Because he's like, we're going to have to join a conference anyway, so I'll put that in just to make everyone happy. This is wild. This is wild. And we don't know how deep it goes. That's why, going back to, if you're just now joining us here on On the Line, going back to what this segment was about, I asked you, what questions should we be asking moving forward in conference realignment? And what we're showcasing here is how deep this thing really goes. And we've only just really scratch the surface and one question we've literally just asked one question here we've gone this deep and i really think that this one question you can't begin to answer until we start to see what the big 10 the acc and pac-12 and what the big 12 might inevitably decide to do and they break off yeah college football playoffs the last one on the test that has to be answered exactly because it all depends on what the other conferences yeah, they do. They can't create a new format until they see what the leagues look like at the end of the day. And the conferences will want to have a say in it after they've kind of finalized what their plans are. The college football playoff may not need to be adjusted either, though, in the grand scheme of You're things. You're right. I think that it doesn't have to if be. If we have super conferences, keep it at four and literally put in the champions. And I think you could simply do that. But what ha- well, hold on a second. You get mad at me for being a college football elitist, well, and now you're saying... When you expand to the super conferences, you're adding in a lot of these group of five teams. So I then don't you- think so, because really? the Big 12 ceases to exist, and there's now a surplus of Big 12 teams that get sent out to the Pac-12 and the Big 10 to fill the void. So I actually don't think you actually are pulling that many group of five teams in. You I'll may say- bring in Boise State and UCF, but... Really not that many teams would be injected because I don't, the Big 12 has six, seven, eight teams to go around. I don't think every conference will be 16 teams. Okay. I think we're looking at 18 and 20 teams. Really? So that's where I'm thinking we're going to have to pick up some of the mid-majors or a group of five teams. That's fine, I guess. I'm still not totally sold. Well, actually, now that I'm 
thinking about it a little bit more, which, once again, we're fleshing all of this out live on air. Welcome into our minds. But <laughs> you're saying that put the four conference champions in a four-team playoff, and if you looked at it, each of these leagues, and they had pods, then they each themselves have a playoff. Correct. Kind of like you had a 16-32 to 32 team playoff feeding into it. Right. And it's not... And the individual this, regions correct. are the conference tournaments. Correct. Oh, I'm eating that up. That's actually not correct. a bad idea. I don't think it's going to be perfect the way I am imagining it, but I think that you can Why did you tell you me this yesterday when I said create a scenario? Because it just came to you right here. Kind of did. It kind of wow. did. Because I, was, because I was sitting there thinking, what can happen to the college football playoff? And my thought was, well, if you go to four pods, you don't want to just pick the top two teams because then it's the scheduling stuff people get mad about. So what happens to the group of five teams that don't get to <laughs> Don't ask me that question. That can be your question, but I don't have an answer to that. I think that they might end up having to really do their own thing. And that's going to have to be about scheduling their own kind of playoff. I mean, as, as I don't know, because they are in a position of no power. And that is the issue. They have no say over anything. They don't have the money. They don't have the people to promote them. You want me to pop your bubble here? Go ahead. How does this apply to basketball? In the NCAA tournament, well, see, sixty-four teams. There's no way that's going away. That's one of the biggest money makers in all of collegiate athletics. You have to fit that into basketball here. Are you just saying that there's a way to apply this concept just to football and leave basketball the same? Because I, I don't think that's a realm we enter into. I think so because of the college football playoff. Because the NCAA tournament is the NCAA and the conferences kind of do their own thing, but they still they're all focused on March Madness NCAA tournament. I mean, we've changed so many times in college football how we decide our champion. We went from polls but to computers. But we've never had this many teams in their own conference. Right. I don't, but I don't see how but that— you don't think that changes anything? I don't anything? think that changes anything. You still evaluate these teams. I mean, the SEC will probably have to go to 20-game schedule in a conference because of Oklahoma and Texas being added. That's just with the ACC and Big Ten. I don't think that it is a big deal. Also, that makes the big tail of SEC challenge a little awkward this year. <laughs> that's pretty. Yeah, that's funny. That is funny. Who is Auburn? Auburn is, is playing? It, they're actually playing Oklahoma. They are. That's right. I don't know who, who Texas is, is playing. I can't think off the top of my head who Texas is playing, but it's it's probably like Tennessee or somebody. Sure. Well. My question, now that we're getting to that side of things here, because we've only scratched the surface with just one, and it was enough to crack open what, what occurs when, with the college football playoff with all of this, but my question is, are the Big 12 teams unified in their approach right now? This is a more immediate answer that I think that we'll receive down the line. Are the Big 12 teams unified at the moment in their approach? Because you're seeing little reports trickle in and out of, Big 12 merging with the Pac-12. Maybe a couple teams have actually reached out to the Pac-12. I saw online earlier today. Don't know if this is true. Maybe a Baylor, a Texas Tech, or a TCU trying to reach out of the Pac-12. We don't know if any of that's true or not. And a lot of this is just rumors and hearsay and, and no source, you know, no name sourcing, right? But are these Big 12 teams unified? Because the only hope for the Big 12 to survive is if they are all unified in an approach to save the conference. And internally, I am not so certain if they are. They have to be back at home base right now 
trying to figure out what their next move is individually? That is the most important question right now, I think. I don't think there's anything that is above that now that we know that Oklahoma and Texas are going to get into the STC. I mean, Texas A&M might vote no, but I think every other team is going to say, sure, we'll take the extra money and the extra power. But it's all about what the Big 12 teams end up doing. And I, I we talked about it yesterday. We both think that West Virginia is going to be the team that kind of breaks the seal. They're going to say, we don't even fit in the Big 12. We don't fit into this eight-team conference. But, of course, we could be wrong. They could have had meetings throughout the week, and they say, you know what, we're all in this together. Let's pick up UCF. Let's pick up Memphis. You pick up funny, whoever. Though? The ACC and the Big Ten are being awfully quiet right, right. now. And it's like, what are they plotting behind the scenes? Because the Pac-12's over here with just outrageously <laughs> the, these lunatic quotes from their from the commissioner. Do you have that in front of you? Can you I, I don't have it in front it? of me, but I'm going to find it go because find word for it's word. incredible. The Pac-12 commissioner basically said, this was his quote, almost word for word. He was like, we have the most teams in the Mountain West and Pacific time zones. This is an advantage for us. And I was like, wait a minute, what? How is that an advantage? He's like, yeah, we're okay with this. We have the most Mountain West and and, and Pacific teams in our in our league. Okay, two thumbs up, I guess. Yeah, Pac-12 Commissioner George Klievkoff. We believe, quote, we believe the move by Texas and Oklahoma strengthens our unique position as the only Power Five conference with teams in the Mountain and Pacific time zones. End quote. Reread that again for the people in the back. We believe the move by Texas and Oklahoma strengthens our unique position as the only Power 5 conference with teams in the Mountain and Pacific time zones. Is that true? No. That's not it true. It doesn't matter. Because the Mountain West has San Diego State and Fresno State. See, here's the thing. What? Here's the thing. All the time zone effects is the people over there. It does not impact us. Because sure, they're going to do the the big noon kickoffs where they kick off at 9 a.m. Pacific for whatever reason. And what that time doesn't matter zone to us. is Texas and Oklahoma in? They're both in Central. Right, so this strengthens my position that there are now more Central <laughs> time zone teams in the SEC. Central time zone is the best time zone. I'm just <laughs> putting it out there. But I, I really don't understand why they would even say that and why the Big Ten and the ACC have not made any kind of statement. They're plotting, Jacob. It's one thing... It's one thing to Winners like. Winners don't reveal their plans it's until one thing they're to, winning, baby. But I have. They haven't even released a non-statement. They haven't even released a statement that said nothing yet. It's best to be quiet. You're right. Everybody's in their war rooms right now. This is the the World War One powder keg went <laughs> off. All right. Everybody's in their war rooms, allying up with folks. People are having conversations, and there's no, no need to get out and leak information that could tip other people to what you're doing. Just. Just play it quiet right now. That's that's the way that they're treating this at the moment. I mean, we were pretty young, but do you do you remember much of the conference realignment from a decade ago? I do. I do remember that. Yeah, I don't remember a but ton it of it. But it didn't have a seismic effect on college football. But this is changing the game. I mean, I feel like the biggest teams that changed were like Nebraska and Texas A&M leading and the Big 12. Again, it didn't seismically shift the power balance in college football. I don't think it affected the power balance that much. Now, of course, the SEC has been on this dominant run but of being the best conference in, in football, but I think you can also argue, though, since Clemson has emerged in 2015, around that time, there were a couple of years where the ACC may have even had a, the best conference one season. The Big Ten may have had the best conference or the deepest conference one season. 
SEC truthers will say not true, well, but like I think there have been instances where the SEC maybe wasn't the best league in college football every year. I think the gap is closing in that. And at the time that Texas A&M and Missouri joined the league, the SEC was the dominant conference in college football. I actually don't think that move really shifted the power balance that much. This, it kind of is. Well, think about the years where everyone talked about how bad the SEC East was. Like that 2014 year where the West was just insane, but then the East was the East. I mean, Missouri was making it to the conference championship every other year. Like they did in 2013, they did in 2015, I believe, against Alabama. Well, now you're not really going to have that. Because Texas and Oklahoma, Oklahoma will pretty much always be at the top. Texas, here and there, they'll be at the top. So if you were to move divisions, like you're just to simply put Alabama and Auburn in the East, the East and West is both going to be great every year. So uh, like you said, I think that the power balance really does shift right back to the ACC where or the SEC where the Big Ten, they don't have much to argue about. The ACC lost their argument over the past two or three years where they just have had nobody but Clemson. That's right. When Louisville was running it up, sure, they were thinking Florida State was other good teams. at one point right. with Clemson at the same time, mid-2010s. But now there's, there's nothing but the SEC, and the Big Ten is number two, clearly. Let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll continue to ask some other questions about conference realignment. You're listening to On the Line. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Jacob Hillman on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Keep up with all of the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamaSports.net and on the Radio Alabama Sports Facebook page. People ask me, how can they support what we're doing? I'll tell you how you can support us. Go and follow us on Twitter and Facebook if you've got those various social media platforms, Instagram as well. Go and find us, Radio AL Sports. Radio Alabama Sports, another great way to search it. Between all of our collegiate and high school sports content, there's enough to keep you busy. So, once again, we've got you covered. RadioAlabamaSports.net Jacob, you said something interesting to me during the break. Break it down for everybody. Well, we all know USA Basketball during these Olympics has been just drama-filled with losses in exhibition, lost the opening game to France after Evan Fournier went off. Well, they are 40-point favorites against the Iranian squad. And it's, it's kind of interesting because they're also minus 20000 You have to bet $20,000 to win $100 if the USA are to win. I don't know. I, I feel like this is a, I just want to say that's a hefty line for a team that's just kind of dramatic right now. And I just think that it, it's interesting because that means... Why would you bet on that, though? Vegas, Vegas is still back in the U.S. a little bit, which, of course, in other years with Dream Team games... Our teams, they might have been 60-point favorites at this point. Why I don't would know. you bet on that, though? If you have a lot of faith in the U.S. bouncing back. But just to make $100? Oh, on that? Yeah, no, that's not worth it at all. <laughs> if you have if you have $20,000 throw away, sure. But if you have $20,000 throw away, $100 isn't worth much to you. That is a terrible investment. It is. Terrible investment. Especially with the way U.S. is playing right now. Man, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. All right, going back to what we were talking about, Oklahoma, Texas, formerly asked to join the SEC. We said, what are the questions we should be asking moving forward in this saga of conference realignment as the tectonic plates of college football shift? 
and uh, maybe we're moving towards a Pangea of college football, right? Like, it uh, seems like there's some type of consolidation here amongst the Power 5 schools, or at least that we could be heading towards that. I asked, are the Big 12 teams unified? Another question to ask about the Big 12 here is, there's been a couple of scenarios, and I'm curious which one is more likely and which one you think is more likely. Big 12 here, dissolve, so cease to exist, and we go to a Power 4. Do they replace what they've lost and get to 16 teams themselves or 14 or 12 in college football's power balance shifts more towards the SEC, but really nobody else makes any changes? Or is there a potential merger in the works for the Pac-12 and the Big 12? That's tough. I think I can't say what the least likely scenario is. I don't. I don't really. I think they're all kind of. None of them are extremely just in my mind shutting down. I, I would probably say the merger is probably the least likely. Just because that seems like it takes a lot more work and logistics and everything 20 else. Twenty teams. Yeah. And West Virginia would have to cross right. the East Coast to the West Coast. Right. But then again, you could easily, if West Virginia said we're out, then you just say, all right, Boise, jump on in. But I think the most likely, in my, in my opinion, the most likely is the, back, the Big 12 dissolves. I think, I, I do not see a way that these schools are all just going to be on the same page and working this out. I think they're all going to want their own thing, and they're just going to say, hey, I think the best move is for us to find the conference that we fit in best and go on our way. I think that's just, that's what I see happening. I could see the Big 12, though, adding a bunch of group of five schools, whether it be Cincinnati or Memphis or UCF or or UConn for all we know. And it's just, I don't know. It, it's just... It's one of those things that I need to see the first move be made because that will tell you everything. What if nobody even makes a move? Of course, the Big 12 has to at some point, I was going to say, you can't really survive with eight. You just can't. The ESPN... Sunbelt did it for a little while. But that's a Sunbelt. But guess what? They added teams. They did. Year in and year out. And And there's a lot more money that is being paid to these schools than the Sunbelt's being paid. So I think the media companies that are paying them are going to say if you don't make a move we're just not going to partner with you anymore so you still solid on that west virginia's the team that says peace out first it's got to be they just they never really fit in the big 12 they were success they were successful mildly successful yeah, in they, football they've been good they've been good in basketball mm-hmm. but have they even won the league that's the thing nah i don't think they've won the league in anything important and i say important every sport's important but just the money makers. So I don't really think that they care too much to be in the Big Twelve. I mean, they just leapfrog from the Big East to the Big Twelve. I think I see them heading to the ACC soon. That's my opinion. That's the logistically the one that fits the most. Exactly. It's just. But could you also see Big Ten? No. Academic standards. Ah. Uh. I forgot about that. Explain people. Explain to people what you mean by that. I, I don't know the exact, the exact everything behind it, but basically the Big Ten holds up, holds their schools to a high academic standard. I don't think West Virginia would match that. Let's take a break here. When we come back, we got Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. We're going to get his thoughts on this. Let's see what the mastermind of the Auburn Observer could draw up for us. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. 
You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Jacob Hillman here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. It's Tuesday afternoon, and Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer joins us on the line. Justin, how you doing today, my man? I'm all right. How are you? We're doing really well. Hope you're staying dry out here. Hope you had a good vacation, good media days. There's so much to talk with you about. And I'm sure you know we're going to ask you about conference realignment. We'll get to that a little bit later, but let's back up to last week. Coming off the heels of your vacation, media day's action, what was your impressions of the Auburn Tigers in Birmingham? Yeah, I thought you know Auburn you know, did a really good job, I think, of kind of portraying the message that we've heard about all this offseason. I think Brian Harson was very uh, kind of matter-of-fact about the big-picture stuff, trying to build in a new culture, a new identity, uh, so they were really heavily weighing in on those kind of themes. You heard from the players talk about, you know, how tough the workouts have been in this off season, how how things are really different. And I think I think that was the big, you know, kind of sentiment Auburn wanted to put out there is like, hey, you know, there's high expectations at Auburn, obviously, but you know, under Brian Harson, you know, things are different now. You're under new management, and uh, just trying to set forward that okay, this isn't going to be the same Auburn team you, you saw the last uh, few seasons. And I think, uh, you know. People who might not have known a lot about Harson, or you know, might not have known uh, what all this is going to entail and what he brings to the table, uh, got to learn about it when he was in Hoover. Bo Nick said some interesting things about his <laughs> development, and my question to you is: He was talking about being closer to the line of scrimmage, having his head up under center. Are you buying into Bo Nix developing this year and making big strides? Yeah, I think he, I think he's going to take a step forward now. How big of a step forward it's going to be, I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. But if you look at the history of Mike Bobo and Brian Harson, when they inherit quarterbacks, they get better uh, right after they get them. I mean, that's just kind of just been their mo throughout their careers. Um, you know, development has been their thing. These are both guys uh, that play quarterback in college uh, that have you know coached the position for most of their careers. It's how they got to be where they are as coaches uh, because of it. And so I think with Bo, it's just the big thing for him has got to be the mental side of the game. Um, we know Bo Nix is a talented guy. We know he's got some really good arm talent. Uh, we know that he, he's got really good escapability, makes things happen with his legs. I think when you watch Bo Nix, though, um, the consistency just kind of eludes him. Uh, there's some times when uh, the bullets start flying and he gets really out, out, out of whack. And I think this offense is going to be designed a little bit more to, you know, at the line of scrimmage, to break down plays pre-snap because you're not going, trying to go as fast as, as, as possible like you might have been under Gus. But you go to the line of scrimmage and you look and you see, okay, if this happens, here's where I go with the ball. If this happens, here's where I go with the ball. Uh, here's what I need to do if, you know, a breakdown happens up here. Um, and I think if you if you arm yourself with that mental side, if you can improve your mental side of it and you have easier answers to what the defense throws at you, you're just going to naturally become a better quarterback. And so I think Bo's got the arm. I think he's got the athleticism to be a really good player. I mean, he was a five-star for a reason. He's made some great plays during his time at Auburn. But I think the key for Brian Harson and Mike Bobo is making more consistent. I think a lot of that's going to happen uh, in the nature of this offense, especially with what you do before the snap. Looking at the SEC media preseason poll and and the all SEC preseason team, it, it's kind of interesting how Auburn is projected to finish fifth in the SEC West, but they are they have ten representatives on the all SEC team, which is second in the SEC. Do you think that's the media maybe just not being so sure on what to expect from Auburn this coming up year, or do they really think that they have the talent just that it's not going to come together this year? 
I think it's more of a reflection of not knowing uh, what to do with Brian Harson and this new staff. I, I think anybody who looks at Auburn says, okay, they've got talent, uh, especially on the defense side of the ball. They've got one of the best running backs, if not the best running back in the league, in Kenny Bigsby. But, um, you know, it's, it, it's this new offense. You know, Auburn's going to make a big change from what they've run in the past on offense. And Brian Harson hasn't done it before. At the SEC level, that's going to be kind of the thing that everybody says. All right, well, you know, he's coming from the Mountain West. Uh, he's barely ever been anywhere outside of Boise. So it's like if he's going to be, you know, if, if the offer's going to be successful, I think people are going to have to wait and see him prove it uh, first before they buy in. And I think that's what you see there. Like, okay, this is a really good – these are really good players. But when you're changing systems, you've got a coach who hasn't been here uh, before – you start knocking down your expectations some, and I think that's it. I think it's, I think it's a reflection of uh, people in the media not necessarily uh, knowing what to what to think and what to make of uh, Brian Harson at this point, and it'll be up up to them this season to go out and prove, you know, that what he does and what he's trying to build can work down here. Question about NIL here. Stanford coach <laughs> David Shaw actually had an interesting response, and I don't know if you had time to see this today, but basically said that. He thought it was an interesting recruiting tactic for Nick Saban to be throwing out Bryce Young's NIL endorsement numbers at like seven figures. And he said he didn't think that that was necessarily a tactic that we should be using in college football. Curious, do you think that's fair or foul from David Shaw? Yeah, it's, it's foul. That's exactly what we what we said was going to happen with NIL. It is going to be a recruiting tool. If you're going to talk about paying players and maximizing their value, well, they're going to have maximum value at the places that win more than anywhere else and places where football is more important than anywhere else. And Stanford's had a good program, even though they've kind of fallen off from what they were under the last few years under David Shaw. But let's be honest, you know, Palo Alto, California, ain't necessarily, you know, football crazy. Um, so, you know, it, I, I personally kind of have my doubts on if Bryce Young is getting that much money in NIL. But to think that he is going to be really high up there, I, I don't think is, is you know any sort of um, you know any sort of surprise at all. And I think it goes back to you know a few things we talked about in NIL on, on the leading up to it. You know, ads were like, this shouldn't have an impact in recruiting, but we know it's going to. It's like, yeah, because you know NIL is not necessarily going to change anything. You know, uh, I think you're like, well, you shouldn't use that as a recruiting tool. All right. Would you like, if you're comparing Stanford and Alabama, you want them to recruit, you want them to use like, you know, winning football games and winning championships because they got you soundly beaten that too. So, I think it's just a way for the best programs to continue to maximize uh, and, and use it as a, as a tool. And I think the schools that don't have that yet and aren't ready for it yet are kind of getting exposed here a little bit early on. Moving on to conference realignment and kind of focusing on Auburn, you actually wrote it on the Auburn Observer. A bunch of different formats for the new SEC scheduling. What kind of schedule do you think Auburn would prefer? Fans, the team, you know, what would be the best outcome for Auburn? Yeah, I mean, it's tough because I, I'm of the opinion that no matter what they do in, in scheduling changes, I think it's going to be the same kind of challenge for Auburn moving forward. Um, I think if you're an Auburn fan, I think the easiest and, and simplest uh, thing that you would want to see you know, maybe is uh, having Auburn move to the SEC East uh, if they decide to keep the division format. That would most likely entail Alabama moving to the East as well. So, I mean, that doesn't change anything for there. You still play Georgia every year. 
um, you know, Florida, Tennessee, those would be games you would play more often. I think those games have a little bit more significance uh, to Auburn fans uh, historically and regionally to play Florida and Tennessee every year instead of playing like the Mississippi schools or Arkansas every year. Um, you know, I, I think that would probably be a good way to go. Um, and then if you want to use like pods or subdivisions or whatever you want to call them, um, you know, there, there's a popular one going around where Auburn and Alabama and the two Tennessee schools, Tennessee and Vanderbilt are together. So like, I think that would be okay if you told Auburn fans like, Hey, you get to play Vanderbilt every year. Um, you know, I think you would be fine with that. You get to play Tennessee every year. You'd be fine with that, that, that kind of trade off. So, uh, but I ultimately think like, no matter what they do with the scheduling, it's <laughs> Auburn is going to have re- a really, really tough one. I think the difference is, is that, you know, whether it's pods or whether it's the subdivisions that maybe, um, other teams might start, you know, tasting a little bit of what Auburn gets every single season. Uh, you know, if there was some shuffling around when Texas and Oklahoma get in. Looking at the rest of college football, we've been discussing what questions should we be asking right now? What questions do you have for the rest of college football? Maybe next steps as we see this tectonic shift. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see, um, you know, how the Pac-12 counters, if this is going to be like the the rest of the Big 12 and the Pac-12 kind of joining forces to survive. Um, is that going to be the move uh, moving forward? I, you know, is, are, is the Big 10 going to get aggressive here? Um, because I think if the SEC gets up to 16, uh, the Big 10 is going to want to get up to that point as well, because that's the only other conference that really has uh, the financial muscle that the, that the SEC has. I'd like to see if the ACC tried to get aggressive and, like, you know, maybe make a play for Notre Dame, maybe make a play for a West Virginia, uh, who would be right in their footprint uh, out of that Big Twelve. So, um, yeah, I think I think that's my big thing. Is like, where where do the leftovers go? But also, I'm kind of more curious to see what happens in the Big Ten uh, and maybe to a lesser extent the ACC because uh, those are those are the powerhouses. So does the Big Ten? try to pick off somebody from somewhere else? Uh, does the Big Ten try to get Kansas basketball into the mix? Uh, do, they, do they try to get West Virginia? Uh, do they try to make a power play for somebody else, too? So I'd be very curious to see how all that shakes out. Justin, tell everybody where they can find all of your great content. Yeah, AuburnObserver.com. Check it out. Uh, you mentioned the, uh, the uh, newsletter today on, um, on the scheduling uh, for Auburn football, what it would look like if – Oklahoma and Texas joined the league. You can check out all those scenarios there. Did a breakdown yesterday to Mari Alston, uh, Auburn's new four-star running back pickup. I'll have some more stuff throughout the week, NBA draft. Obviously, later we have the mailbag, podcast, all that. Sign up to AuburnObserver.com, $6 a month or $60 a year. You get all the breakdowns, all the analysis for Auburn football and men's basketball uh, sent straight to your email inbox most mornings. So check that out. Like I said, AuburnObserver.com. I appreciate it, my man. I hope you have a good afternoon and stay dry out there. Absolutely. Thank you. That was Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer here on the line with us. We'll be back. You're listening to On the Line. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Jacob Hillman with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. You just said something I thought was really funny. Go for it. I mean, it's just it's a complete crazy scenario. But you know, we're we're talking all of that as it's a shoe in. What if 
the SEC decided not to vote them in. What if Texas A&M, Arkansas, Missouri, and uh, I don't know, and LSU? Come on, it Auburn, matter. pull through. Auburn would be a program I would look at to say no. I mean, what if they just voted no and Texas and Oklahoma were not allowed in the SEC? Would the Big 12 reject them to come back? Would they be able to go to the Big 10? I think I saw something about how Oklahoma doesn't meet the academic requirements what Texas does for the Big 10. I don't know. I I don't think that's going to happen. I think we are correct to assume that Oklahoma and Texas will be in the Big 10 or in the SEC in the coming years. But I mean it's just what if? That'd be fun. That would be a lot of fun. You pretty much open up to the Pac-12 or the Big Ten, but you just broke down what happens if the Big Ten can't take them. Right. And nothing about Texas and Oklahoma speaks Atlantic Coast Conference. I, I think Nothing up, about them speaks – nothing about Norman, Oklahoma speaks Pacific 12 either, but <laughs> – I mean, I think they end up in the Pac-12 if the Big 12 were to say no and then yeah. both can't go to the Big Ten. I think you got to change your name at that point. I think you got to say Pacific 12 plus two. I think you have to change your name to that. <laughs> I don't think you can say, I don't think you can call yourself the Pacific 14. You'd have to change it to, to you just have to keep it Pacific 12 as in there's 12 teams in the Pacific. Two of them are not. I mean, there might be some beachfront property in Norman, Oklahoma, I'm sure. <laughs> Surely. By beachfront, you mean dust. Yeah, pretty much. Dustfront property. And then there's a little puddle somewhere and you call that beachfront. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. All right, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. Eyes are glued to the Olympics, of course, but before we get to the action in Tokyo, let's take a look at some movie selections for anyone not interested in the summer games. Bohemian Rhapsody is on FX at 6. Tom Cruise, ironically, back with his sequel, Jack Reacher, Never Go Back on TNT at 7. I guess he didn't get the memo. In the sports world, let's take a look at what's going on with the Olympics. Live on NBC from 7 to 10, it's the women's gymnastics team final as the USA goes for a three-peat for gold along with finals in swimming. Live from 7 to 9.45, men, men's and women's rowing will be on CNBC. Two live events on USA. U.S. men's beach volleyball is on at 7, and women's table tennis is on at 8. That's it for what's on TV tonight. You know, watching the Olympics on TV is just so difficult now. With with, I mean, I know it's like this every time. It's not in within a few hours, but I don't know. I just can't really get myself to motivate myself to stay up late or get up early. I don't know. Everyone gets mad about NBC about promoting the replays, but that's what I've been watching. Is, the replays? Is the, is the tape delay stuff. Oftentimes, that's what you want to watch. That's the stuff that's interesting to you. I don't know. I just three by three basketball. I don't know why I just said three by three. I, I think it's <laughs> three x three. Obviously, three on three basketball. That's hilarious. Three by three it's, basketball. It's literally like Here's what I want. Saturday I want morning. Three by three by three basketball. Let's make it happen with two basketballs. Triangle basketball with two basketballs. Yes, that's why you make it interesting. I don't know. It, like I said, the TV, the whole TV thing is just so difficult, and I feel like they have catered it, honestly, to the U.S. audience, but I still feel like it's just, for me, just not enough. I, I'll catch the highlights the next day. There's very few Olympic sports that I'm, like, super engaged with anyway, and Olympic basketball really isn't one of them. I think it's boring as all get out now. Some people would say that 
this year's a lot more interesting but in fact it actually squashes my interest even more because now i'm like yeah there goes another free gold medal that we needed you i would say it it shouldn't pique your interest more if you're an american because now it's just frustrating yeah. it used to be okay this is boring because we're beating teams by 50 plus and now you're losing that's not fun to watch no it's not so i i, I don't get I, I i just i can't get totally into it and sit for long periods of time to watch now this afternoon, I also know there's men's golf on today. Yes. Men's golf is getting in action, so that's going to be really good. And that timing isn't too bad. They're teeing off at 8 a.m. local time in Tokyo, which is 6 o'clock here. So you can you can pretty much watch a full round of that as you head to bed. So that's kind of nice. It takes four hours to play around. Tee off at 6, done at 10 p.m. I actually think that's tomorrow. That's not today. That's my bad. You're right. That's, that's tomorrow. It's yeah. Wednesday night. It's from heading five, into Thursday. It's from 5 to 2.30 in the morning. That's not bad. I might stay up for that. I might stay up but You already that. stay up till 2.30. I do. But I might, I might force myself to pay attention to that. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. There's, there's a lot of good stuff out there for the Olympics, but I, I just don't get super, super engaged. The Olympic golfers are actually kind of – the 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 things they've said have been interesting. Like Rory, it doesn't seem like he cares. <laughs> He's doing it because he just feels like he has to. Because you know, he wants to represent his country, but he doesn't really want to go to Tokyo and compete. <laughs> I think he'd rather be playing on the PGA Tour, making his money and stuff. But then you have the South Korean Sung J M, and I can't remember the other one. But if they medal, they don't have to do their military service. It's a big deal. So. It's a big deal. There's a lot on the line sometimes when you're talking about Korean athletes. Right. Because there's a soccer team that I like that um that that has a South Korean player named um why why am I drawing a blank right now? Why am I drawing a blank? I'm not sure who I know who you're talking about. I also don't know Hung his name. Son. There you Hung go. Min Son with uh with Tottenham. Why did I just I just completely blanked? He's one of my favorite players. But uh he was in a situation where if South Korea won the like Asian there there's like an Asian tournament just like the gold cup is going on right if he were to win that then he would have been able to miss his military time and I still think he ended up having to do a little bit but it's like apparently it's like a it's not like the full right it's not the full shebang right right (laughs) it's one of those things where it's it's crazy that 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 the Olympics can have that kind of impact on someone Hey man, you're you gotta go for it, right. man. You better golf out right. your mind if you don't well, want to be in the military. Well, both the South Korean golfers skipped the Open Championship to prepare for the Olympics, so that shows you how much they cared about it. They said, "Yeah, we don't need this major. We'd rather get a gold or silver or bronze medal yeah. in Tokyo." Well, that's time that they take away, you know, from actually making money and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. It's a lot more time off, so they'd rather take you know a couple weeks here rather than you know months to a year in the future. So I right. understand that. And that and same for a soccer schedule, which is so strenuous and you're playing year round. I mean Son was put into that situation where like you're always playing and taking time off. That that hurts you in your career. Hurts Tottenham too, because they really needed it. Let me tell you. <laughs> as much as Harry Kane gets hurt, now he may not even be a, a spur player anymore. But that's it for hour number one of On the Live. We'll be back. Hour number two coming up in just a few moments.
you are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7000. 502. Hour number two of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Jacob Hillman with you here on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Solid hour number one. If you missed any of it, go and find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. We are there. Follow ESPN 106.7 on Facebook and Twitter to keep up with the latest going on at the station. The Max Roundtable, On the Line, The Drive with Bill Cameron, Analysis, News, and more. Seven hours of local sports talk radio. That's all on ESPN 106.7. Find the website on ESPNAU.com. A fun hour number one. Thank you to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer for joining us in that first hour. Once again, go and check out that conversation if you missed any of it. I'm going to keep going on here in the talk of conference realignment because another move was made today Oklahoma and Texas formally asking to join the SEC we started off the show today what are the questions we should be asking moving forward in conference realignment because everybody's got questions right now everybody's wondering what is going on this is the apocalypse of college football some people are making it out to seem And what if this ends up just being such a little minor thing and nothing actually happens because you think about it, Big Ten, ACC, awfully quiet. And I want to know why. That's my next question that I think that we should be asking. What is the Big Ten and the ACC? What are they doing? Well, Justin Ferguson mentioned, you know, what if the Big Ten were to get aggressive? What if they were to go try to steal a team from the ACC? I don't know who they would steal, but things like that. You just don't know because they're being so quiet. And I think that's... One day, we're just going to be, it's going to be like SEC Media Days last week. You're just going to be doing your show, and you're going to get a breaking news alert on Twitter that someone has joined the Big Ten, and then that's when you know that things are about to go down, and things are going to change a lot for college football. My thing is, what happens when we come out of our fallout shelters? What, what does the world look like? <laughs> that, what see, does college football look that's like? That's like my college football playoff question. That's I think it's a little too far down the line to even consider right now, whereas the immediate question should be, what do these Big 12 schools do? And and that's where you can kind of go down the line. Well, if these teams leave and go here, then maybe this happens. I still don't know. Because we still don't know if Texas and Oklahoma are going to get voted in, but they're going to get voted in. So that's what I'm so drawn about is that are we going to see mass conference realignment? That's the big question is, are we going to see the Big 12 completely break up? Are they going to announce this team, this team, this team, going to the Pac-12, and this team, this team, going to the ACC, and this team, and this team, going to the Big 10? Who knows? You know, people joke about fallout and stuff, you know, nuclear fallout. People joke, you know, the cockroaches survive. Does the group of five cockroaches survive? Mmm. I don't know. That's another great question. And a great metaphor too. Yeah. Because it they're is. the small it, it really they're is. the small players in all this who are who, who are really quite helpless. I, I said it yesterday, you know, if the major the power five conferences pull up 
some group of five conferences, they will survive, in my opinion, because those group of five conferences will reach out to FCS schools and other schools throughout the country and bring them up. And if they do that, I think that you know brings a little bit more flair to them. People will still watch them. And the issue is, then there's no chance of them having a chance at competing for a national championship. You know, that's the whole point of the 12-team playoff was to help get the Coastal Carolinas, the Boise States, into the college football playoff, the UCFs, whereas they would be the ones that are brought to the super conferences and then the the UABs. So my next question is, because you're kind of answering it right here, okay. my next question is, is college football shrinking or getting bigger? That's That's a good question. Because I think it depends it, on what your, you're describing is getting bigger, right? Not getting smaller. And I think that it depends on your viewpoint a little bit, because yes, what I, the way I was describing it, there will be more than 130 FBS teams in that case. But are we looking at it increasing just in raw number, or are we decreasing it because only those four conferences are even going to matter? No one, I say that people would still watch the the group of five, but it'd be like us, the junkies. And we would be the ones watching it, whereas everyone else, they're going to be stuck on those power four conferences. How do they even so, get on TV? Yeah, There's good more question. games inside these conferences. That's the good thing about streaming. more time on networks. So I kind of wonder how, how they even get on television when you're going to have each of these conferences – buddy up with a network and it, it, it's it's going to be one of those things where now there are more games inside these conferences that now have to get nationally televised so I'm curious what your thoughts are on that as far as trying to find TV time for these places because there's only so many networks and they're all going to want to seat at the table right it, it won't be prime TV it'll be streaming because you ESPN can Plus. have yeah you have an unlimited amount of those and they'll probably and Tuesday matchin you'll have the Thursday and Friday night games. But, of course, they're going to put some of the bigger games, the Power Four conferences games, on those Friday nights as well and Thursday nights. Tuesday so. night action. Be there, be there, be there. I mean, in reality, it's one of the more fun things that we have. <laughs> so that's how they'll survive. And then Sun Belt, Fun Belt, I don't know. The TV would be very interesting with those group of five schools. And I think that's the one thing that CBS would... CBS Sports is a thing. So... <laughs> and they're losing the SEC... They need something. So, but I think they'll pick up the Big Ten anyway. Why? Why Big Ten? Because they want a major. They want a major player. But why Big Ten? How do you think they get them away from Fox? I don't think Fox. I think Fox. Well, you know, this is. I totally forgot about the Big Twelve possibly not existing in the next few years. And now they got their own network. You're right. And where does the Pac-12 Ooh. go in all this? Goodness, I didn't even think about the TV deals that are going to be reimagined. Another in the question next few years. to ask. You're right. You're right. What about the Pac-12? What are your thoughts on that? No, I'll stick with Fox. So you're going to have Big Ten and Fox, or Big Ten and Pac on Fox? Well, yeah, they already have the Big 12, Pac-12, and the Big Ten, so it'd make it easier on them. Yep. Let's head to the phone lines now, 334-321-1390. Matt on the line with us. Hey, guys. Um, so if the uh, Big 12 does fall apart, um, so would – Kansas State and, like, TCU, Baylor, Texas Tech, would they be – do you think that their pedigree would be, like, a Troy or a South Alabama or a group of five teams if they want to be in a conference, or would they still be a tier above a Troy or a South Alabama? 
it depends on what schools you're talking. And you mentioned the, those three schools, and I think a team like TCU, they might be headed to the group of five. But teams like Kansas State and Texas Tech and Baylor and Kansas with basketball, you know, I see them definitely finding a home elsewhere. But like a team like TCU, who's only been a Power Five school for ten years, I actually think they're the most likely to stay in the Power Five. Really. Now. Because they've been the most competitive, aside Good. from Baylor. Texas Tech is almost... Well, then you also got to bring in basketball on that as well. Mm-hmm. But Texas Tech's an odd ball team in that mix because of Lubbock and, and the fact that it's really just kind of in the middle of nowhere. And they, they really aren't... I mean, they are good in basketball and baseball, but do the other conferences care about that? They're so irrelevant in football. TCU's pretty relevant in all three of their they sports. They are. They still good got in baseball, Gary Patterson. They're decent in basketball and football, despite the fact that they're average most years. They're, uh, they're pretty relevant in football. I don't know. Matt, what are your thoughts? Where do you think a lot of those teams fall? I don't know. I mean, I, I'm just thinking that you've got the four best that are consistent, Ohio State, um, Alabama, Clemson, and Oklahoma. And then you have, like, I don't know, UCF, Boise State, Cincinnati that are trying to get into the, the power five. And so, and then you have a lower, lower tier which would be like your Sun Belt, your Conference USA. Um, and so I'm just trying to think if this massive SEC with Troy and Oklahoma, where does everyone else in the Big 12, are they in the – which tier would they be in? That's a great question to ask. <laughs> we'll, and, we, and, hey, we'll find out too. Right, yeah. We're going to find out. I think the Pac-12 will – We'll cherry pick them. I, I think the Pac-12 will pick up a couple. I think TCU is one of those teams. I recently was reading an article earlier today about Baylor, but there was something about hangups with BYU in the past that made people wonder if because Baylor's a Baptist university, if that prevents Baylor from ending up being in the Pac-12. I'm not sure. I, I, I didn't dig too deep into that. But I think TCU ends up being a Pac-12 team eventually. I think Boise State ends up being a Pac-12 team. Um, Iowa State, see, like – I, it, it, we asked a question earlier. We said, are all these Big 12 teams unified? Because if they are, Matt, you're on to something when you're talking about these group of five teams trying to find their way into the mix of Power 5 football. Now's their chance. I put together a scenario yesterday that pulled the best group of five teams and put them in the Big 12 for it to stay afloat. And I actually, looking at it, minus Oklahoma, from top to bottom, and I got a consensus agreement on this, it was a better league. Through and through, from top to bottom, is a better league. You just didn't have the 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 talent of Oklahoma at the top, but somebody could theoretically become that now that Oklahoma's not there anymore. I would like to see the Big Twelve achieve that, but I think someone bails before that happens and it all falls apart. Yeah, I guess in my mind, I have the SEC, ACC, and Big Ten as a as better conferences than the the Pac twelve and the Big Twelve. So if the Big Twelve's gone. I kind of think there's a, a power three, and everyone else is kind of the same. So, I mean, I know this is not 100% accurate, but I feel like a lot of the Pac-12 teams and, like, a Sun Belt team are kind of the same as in as in their, like, caliber of their programs. Hey, Fun Belt, man. Louisiana Lafayette could take, could take Cal some years, I think. You know, uh, I don't think you're too far off. The, the best Sun Belt teams could beat some of the worst Pac-12 teams still through and through top to bottom. Pac-12 a better league. We, we saw what happened two weeks in a row last year yeah. with the Big 12. Yeah, the Big 12 is getting headhunted. So, I think you're you're spot on with that. Keep fleshing that out. We just lost Matt. Yeah, I re- I really think that the big thing about these 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 higher group of five teams versus the lower 
Power Five teams is is really the fan bases, and I don't really, I really haven't, I don't know if these fan, I don't know if the Kansas State fan base is as strong as that Coastal Carolina fan base. I don't know if one is better than the I other. Think Kansas State is. That was Probably. a bad example. Yeah, and, and they go crazy. You're right, but. Kansas, too, in the fog is a pretty big deal. Yeah, but you're right. Look, I created a scenario yesterday that the Big 12 would survive in if they're unified. But I go back to what I just said. There's something in economics called the prisoner's dilemma. Do you remember this? Did you take econ? You didn't go this far? Yeah, that's not a problem. I don't, I don't remember that. Okay, so I took a sports economics class in college, and there's the prisoner's dilemma in it, and I hope I convey this accurately, and I don't mess this up. But essentially, like... This is kind of talking about like pricing and whatnot, and oftentimes it's kind of what you encounter with like gas stations and whatnot when you look at how they're how they're going about uh, setting their prices. But also on top of that, you talk about advertising as well. So say you've got Team A or Team B, or you've got Business A, Business B, and you're talking about advertising and whatnot. You've got a matrix, a square with four squares inside of it, right? And you do cross multiplication across the box, okay, to tell how much money that they make, right? And one situation is. Not adver- both sides don't advertise. That's your top left square. Okay, they make the most money because you know they they just they didn't spend any money. They 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 didn't spend any money, right? But their business still rises together, right? And then you've got folks that do, and then it, it, but typically what happens is they don't collude to make the most money. They end up stabbing the other one in the back, and then you end up in like a price gouging fest, or, or you end up in at one side trying to outdo the other, right? So you you go and watch national. You go and watch national um, ads across TV and whatnot, and you see uh, you know, all the different beer companies competing against each other. Every single beer company has got advertising on television, right? Because if you didn't, you'd, you'd fall apart. You'd, you'd get left out. You, you, you would fall to the wayside compared to the other beer companies. Those would be the ones getting all the business, and that's just the truth. Okay, So when the, the, every, nobody ends up colluding to make the most money everybody ends up doing acting in their own self-interest that's what the prisoner's dilemma is about like when you're provided with these options of working together or working in your own self-interest people end up working in their own self-interest now i think that's what it ha- ends up happening in the big 12 probably and i think that's i mean do they have another choice that's my thing is if they had another choice i think they would try to keep this thing afloat but i just don't think they can even if they bring in the best group of five schools I don't know if it would be enough because those group of five schools would still have to adjust a little bit. They'd have to travel. The Cincinnati and UCF aren't really close to these Big Twelve I'm schools. I'm not saying Cincinnati. No, UCF. Yeah, they they you, would be. You don't think you don't think you, you Cincinnati would? I think you could. I don't think I think Cincinnati would end up in the Big Ten. Remember that in my scenario. yeah, you're right. Because you, now the Big Ten's not being able to pluck some of these Big Twelve schools. Because the Big 12 st- stayed together. And so they had to go and find two other schools that are a group of five scenarios that are more in their realm, and that's Cincinnati. Well, and Cincinnati offers stuff in football and basketball. True. Now, I don't know much about their baseball history, but Cincinnati would fit there and then just go and find somebody else, a Temple or a UConn or something like that, that also fits into your footprint. UConn has a lot to offer outside of football. Of course, rules are meant to be broken. And one big thing is that schools have to reach out to the conferences. Do we think Cincinnati would reach out to the Big 10 before the Big 12? Because, I think so. I think Cincinnati would love to be in the Big Ten. Well, of course you would love to be in the Big Ten, but you know, strategically, you don't want to, you know, try to outkick your coverage. And I think that could possibly be something. They, whereas they know, they know 
they would be given an opportunity to compete in the Big 12, I think. If they reached out in this, in the midst of this, I think the Big 12 would say, yes, please, we, we need this. Whereas the Big 10, as you said, they're quiet. We don't really know <laughs> what they're wanting. Which, And like I said, rules are meant to be broken, so just because that's the thing doesn't mean that there hasn't been communication between the Big 10 and Cincinnati or the Big 12 and Cincinnati or even the ACC in Cincinnati. So I just, for me, the group of five schools that are at the top, they really need to jump on this now. Whether or not they kind of want to all group together and go to the Big 12 or they want to make it more make more geographical sense. So UCF and the ACC, Cincinnati, the Big 10, who knows? But I feel like they need to make these moves first before West Virginia says we're going to the ACC and that's a spot that's left open uh, that's gone for a big group of five uh team do you think they're doing that I have no idea and that's that's the whole thing about the ACC and Big Ten being quiet is they very well could be and they might be waiting until they have a solid group like Texas and Oklahoma we didn't find out until they were both in on it we might not find out until you know, Cincinnati, or we'll use ACC for example, UCF, Notre Dame, West Virginia, and another school are all four in on joining the ACC. So that's why it might take months. It could take just a few weeks. It could it could be tomorrow. It could be next year, right? I I don't know. I don't it's know. If, I don't know if it would take. I don't. Would it? You think it would? It could. We could. I mean, we're only a couple of weeks out from fall camp, right? So. Not saying that the football coaches are the ones orchestrating this, but I mean, as as much as I don't, it's just too much to fool with during as, football season. As much man. as I don't like this change, I think this is still fun. <laughs> it's it's still fun just to watch. It's fun everything. to talk about. It's the job, man. It's crazy because I mean, think like I said, think about it. We could see Cincinnati, the Big Twelve, Big Ten, ACC. Who knows? We could see UCF in the Big Twelve or the ACC. Doubt the Big Ten, but. I actually doubt UCF into the into the ACC. I think there's a couple of Florida schools that would have yeah, a problem good point. with that. Good point. I think the ACC, there would have been some type of connection there, maybe a lot longer. I mean, that's like that's like the SEC inviting UAB or Troy, and that won't happen either because there's two in-state schools that it, I don't think would like that very much. I think it's more likely that. I think it's more there's likely one in-state for, school that I definitely know would not like that very yeah, much. Yeah, you're right, but I, I think they're not located here. I don't think it, it's more about. <laughs> I think like if Florida State tried to join the SEC, I think Florida would be more mad than UCF joining the ACC and you and you uh, Florida State and Miami getting mad. Personally, I don't know though. It's it's gonna be interesting. I think we're gonna see some really dramatic outcry from schools. About teams joining and and declining invitations. Could all end though if the SEC has four teams that vote against, that vote against Oklahoma and Texas coming in. You're right. Could all end right there. I just I don't know what the chances are of that. I, I, I wonder if there are betting odds on that. I want to try to find betting odds on the vote, <laughs> the vote count. That would be well. You think it's unanimous? I think so. I think that they're gonna because they're just gonna do it for the press. Ooh, all the SEC teams are all in on the SEC becoming the most powerful organization in athletics almost. So, I don't know. Is it, though? It's not more than the NFL. Yeah, no. 
Probably that's probably. Where would it rank? Now I'm kind of curious. Ooh. Where would it rank with the professional leagues? It's bigger than NHL, which is better than MLS. Oh yeah, I didn't even have to consider that. Yeah, no way. <laughs> even don't, Americans don't want to watch American soccer. Right. I I don't. Man, but and it probably isn't bigger than the NBA. I guess baseball would be. Baseball's bigger than SEC. Yeah. But it's got a seat at the table. It does. It does. The Big Four, the NFL, Major League Baseball, National Basketball Association, and the Southeastern Conference. <laughs> There's your Big Four. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Well, let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll keep fleshing it out, as well as we take a look at what teams, uh, looking at that preseason SEC media poll, what teams will fail to meet expectations, what teams will meet those expectations. You're listening to On the Line. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Jacob Hillman on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Text line at 334-564-1840. Find us on Twitter at Boyd Gardner at Jacob underscore Hillman 3. Talked a lot about conference realignment here on the show today. Let's move away from it for a few minutes. Preseason SEC media poll, been meaning to get to this conversation, but Right now, there's still 14 teams in the SEC, and they were ranked by the media members at SEC Media Days. Now, I want to break this down. Teams that will fail to meet expectations, teams that can exceed expectations. One through seven in the SEC West, Alabama, Texas A&M, LSU, Ole Miss, Auburn, Arkansas, Mississippi State, in that order. East, one through seven, Georgia, Florida, Kentucky, Missouri, Tennessee, South Carolina, Vanderbilt. Jacob, asking you this question here, who's a team that can exceed expectations well i know we've had our disagreements on auburn this year but i, will, I will say i think they can exceed thank you expectations of fifth in the sec west i mean I, you just have to look at the other teams here and say all right where are they ranked at and can they do better can they finish higher than that right and um your candidates there i think you would be saying maybe lsu into second or Auburn higher than fifth should be an easy mark to hit once again. That Ole Miss better than fourth. I think those are your three main candidates. Yeah, and I think that's a big thing is that I don't really like putting LSU at second. I think they're going to be okay this year. I don't know if it, I think it'll be one of those things for the you end trust of the year. A and M to finish second over LSU. Yes. Wow. See, uh, vice versa. I think LSU's got to beat on talent. I do. I think LSU's got to be yeah. on talent now. Is dysfunction enough to that's, derail that? It's very possible. And that's why I think that LSU will be kind of Go up Tigers. and down this year. Yeah. I'd, and I think at the end of the year, there's going to be a talk of, should 8-4 and four at Orgeron get fired or stay? And we'll see. Uh, I think it's stay. Yeah, we'll, we'll eight see. 8-4 and four is stay. We'll have the conversation when we get to that point. But I think LSU will probably finish in that 3 or 4 range. And I just – Ole Miss, you're right about, but I just – I don't trust defense, them to finish higher man. than four. No. And I think that they will finish lower than Auburn. And even though I think that Auburn could very likely lose to Ole Miss, I still think that when it comes to standings, I think Auburn ends up above So you think Auburn's them. better than a 6-6 six and six football team? There's no way Auburn gets <laughs> – look, fourth is a 4-4 is a four four finish in the SEC. Yeah. That's 7-5, and 8-4, buddy. Welcome to my side. I just uh, – <laughs> uh, Like I said, we're talking about who can exceed the expectations. I think Auburn can. Good. Good. Well, Auburn's on my list, too. They were the number one team. Um, oh, of course, you picked them second. I did. That's no, whack. No, they won't exceed that expectation. That's whack. No. That is not whack. Explain that is, why that is whack. Oh, come on. 
I mean, can't you get excited about that? No, <laughs> no, not at all. I think they handled their business. Nine and three, give it to me. I think that can get you there. Nine See, you're three. saying you're saying welcome to my side. There has never been a point this offseason I've considered Auburn going nine and three. <laughs> I've considered the Oof. eight and fours. I've considered the eight and four, but nine and three or ten and two is where I'm at right now with Auburn. <laughs> I like this team. Cannot back that up. I like this coaching staff. I like this team, man. I'm excited. I am excited. Like I said, they can finish fourth in East the SEC. Team? Is there an East team that maybe can exceed? Or do you think that hierarchy is pretty, pretty solid? I kind of like this. I mean, Tennessee could. I, I like Missouri. So I, th- I think Tennessee could, but I don't think they will. But yeah, where, where it's listed right now, I like, I like Kentucky at three a lot. I think that's. That's the number. I mean, personally, I think Florida. Are you really that okay with with Kentucky with their major concerns at quarterback? How did that get rectified? Yeah. Is so, Levis the answer? Was he that good at Penn State? That's well, they have options. That's the thing. They've it, always had options. You're right. Bodies exist. <laughs> you're just right. They throw the football. I I just think that this Mark Stoops led team is gonna. They've been on the verge every single year. I mean, they almost won the East two years ago, maybe three years ago. Whatever year they lost to Georgia on that Almost CBS game. Almost won the East is relative. Yeah, I mean, as in... Hot if, Rod hit the field goal. I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, if they had beat Georgia, you never know what happens after that. But they didn't. If they were going to beat Georgia. Pff, ah, I mean, come on. You're, come on. Come I like, on. I like Kentucky because they've just been on the verge for the last few years. And I don't think they will exceed their expectations. But I also don't think that those four schools below them are going to have it to finish above them. I also think Florida could win the SEC East. So that kind of depends on, you know, Amber Jones, yeah. right? That's simple. How how close is, so is it how who would you feel more comfortable with then? We're about to have to go to break, but Florida or Tennessee to exceed. Oh, that's tough. I don't know. I I might say Florida. I like Emory Jones and I I like what I think that Dan Mullen will put them in a spot to succeed. And it, it's pretty simple. Beat Georgia, and you just got to handle your business the rest of the year. I like Tennessee a lot more in that situation. Actually, Tennessee's the team that I picked in the East to do that. To really? Exceed expectations. I think that if, if they're going to, I think they could get to fourth or third. I agree with that. I, I actually think it would be more likely they finish third than fourth. I, I, they're talented enough, but it's all about that dysfunction, man. Is it gone? We'll be right back. You're listening to On the Line. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Jacob Hillman on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. I'm going to call 334-321-1390. Text line at 334-564-1840. Preseason SEC media poll. We talked about teams that can exceed expectations. What about teams that will fail to meet their expectations, Jacob? Yeah, for the West, I think it's got to be LSU. Because I feel like they could also have a disaster. See, they're just, like you said, the dysfunction. I feel like they could be a 6-6 and team. And they're 6-6. and They're not finishing third in the SEC West. But, I, I don't know. I feel like Ole Miss also could be disastrous. <laughs> Maybe not disastrous, but like I said, I mean, obviously when I say Auburn can exceed, that means Ole Miss would not. I think it's got to be Texas A&M. 
That's the team that, like, there's lofty expectations. Dude, t- finishing second is like 10-2. You're now, right. They've got the easy schedule. But I, I, st- I hammered this home, man. New quarterback, four new offensive linemen. Last time that happened, and think about how long it took Kelamon to develop, all right? Now, all these people are like, oh, Jimbo gets the most out of his quarterbacks. Yeah, it took him four years to get the most out of Kelamond. Took him four years. Now, there was steady development every single year for Kelamond. Yeah. I believe he'll develop Haynes King. Haynes King, though, has thrown four passes in his career. He ain't ready for this. He ain't ready for the league. What is- it, it, he's going to be fine, but I, I think it's enough to go 7-5, and five, not finish second in the West. I just don't see how they meet that expectation. There, there is some serious group thing going on, man. Like, there's just this prevailing belief, and everybody's just like, yeah, I agree with that. Where it's Alabama 1, A&M 2, LSU 3, Ole Miss 4, Auburn 5. Like, that seemed like that was going to be the predicted order at the end of the day. But I am I, I am more scared of LSU right now than I am of Texas A&M. I don't... Would have much rather have been playing Texas A&M before I played Georgia rather than LSU. Interesting. See, I don't know. I just feel like there, there's still a little bit of experience there with Isaiah Spiller. And then you've got, I can't Guy remember his only name. only averaged like five yards of carry last year. Not bad. That is good. I, I get that. That is good. But compare that towards his colleagues in the league. It's not like he's Kevin Harris running behind a terrible low line and still averaging 6.6. And Tank running behind Auburn's O-line still averaging 6. He was running behind that A&M O-line that got like 300 rush yards a game. Or not a game, but, you know, was eclipsing like 200 rush yards a game last year. And they got to 300 on Auburn. And he only averaged five a carry. <laughs> You know, like, he still wasn't one of the higher marks in the league. He's good. He is good. He's one of the better all-purpose guys in our league. But I'm still not, like, sold that he's going to be a top three, top five running back in the league with a brand-new O-line. One of my – and I'm, I'm looking at the schedule now. You mentioned the easy schedule. Well, I think that easy part is also at the beginning of the year. Yep. At Colorado, it's not fun. But I don't think Colorado is anything special. They lost their quarterback. Yeah. But then the two, the first two SEC games you have are Arkansas and Mississippi State. And Mississippi Arkansas State, could sneak up on them. They could. That's always a close game. And if this Arkansas team's as good as people think, and also think Arkansas matches up well with AM, I do. I think that they've got the players on defense to make, a, make a freshman quarterback uncomfortable with their DBs. Bumper pull's going to go crazy. So, like, I, I don't have a, a big issue with Arkansas on that side of the ball. And if KJ Jefferson ends up being good, well, look out. I still, I still just think that they start off as easy as they could in the SEC, unless they play Vanderbilt. They yes, don't. I mean, they, they get to play sixth and seventh predicted. You were correct. So <laughs> it's it, it's one of those things that I, I just think that he could King could Why is figure Arkansas it out. a tricky game for Auburn, but not for A and M? That's not what I'm saying. Okay, I, I'm just saying that's the belief out there for a lot of people. I'm just yeah. like, why is that a? Are we I serious? Think, I don't think it's a now. I don't think I think it's it is a tricky game for anyone. I think Arkansas is just one of those tricky teams that can sneak up on you. But I'm not I'm not saying that Auburn's gonna go in and lose to Arkansas. Also, I want to remind folks, Arkansas, if they didn't finish first in the league last year in takeaways, they were in the top three. And AM starting a freshman quarterback. Right. And one of his four pass attempts was an interception. <laughs> just saying. Mistakes could happen, and you got Catalan back there. You got guys that can make plays. Yeah, and it, they're high risk, high Jerry reward World. on that defense. They give up, a, they give up points, but they also get takeaways. It's it's like that 2014 Auburn defense. They're gonna get you some takeaways. That's but a good point. They're not gonna they're they're not gonna keep you out of their end zone either. So I don't I'm know. Curious. Well, okay, <laughs> I I still see them starting five and zero. 
Yeah, I mean, I think their first loss is to Alabama, but I'm just, I'm just poking, I'm just poking the. Bear my a my, bit. my thing is, I think that King can, I think his. So now I do see also how it could go horribly wrong where he plays really well leading up to the Alabama game, and then we know what happens. Just to say that he just has a terrible game though against somebody in between, like a Colorado or an Arkansas, and that team just happens to find enough to win, like. 24 to uh, you know 18 or 21 or something like that's right. an ugly game it's not like the other team played well it's just the other team played that bad and looking at the end of the year i don't like that they had to go on the road at old miss and lsu that i don't think they've won in baton rouge yet i see it you're probably right they have a weird like record against like home and away versus auburn and lsu and some teams it's weird but looking at the fact they have to go on the road to old miss and lsu that does change it a little bit because I kind of feel like they lose both of those games unless King is really really good so I, I see I see where you're looking at now and then Auburn's a loss I think I think they lose to Auburn I in my world I've got them losing to Auburn and don't tell me that that's not possible Auburn goes I into, didn't say Auburn it owns college station they do <laughs> but you want to talk about something that's due it's Auburn losing college station no way they should have won in 2015 they should have won the other years but I don't know they almost shouldn't have won in 2019, though. East team. East team? That's tough because, I mean, I, I like I said, I, I like the pecking order here, but probably Missouri. Probably Missouri just, even though I like Drinkwitz and what he's doing, it just feels like that they're due for, that. like, this year, I want to look at their schedule as well. It's just... It's going to take some time because I mean, with that. I think, Kel- I think placing them at four though is assuming that they don't meet what the possibility is, right? That like, is true. The possibility is that they could go ten and two, but putting them at four is people saying they're not going to do that, that they don't trust them to do that. So I think you have to choose another one outside okay. of Missouri. I mean, Missouri going like worse than seven and five, eight and four, or something like that. That would be, I think that's pretty tough to do with their schedule, but that is possible, I guess. But they they seem to be, they seem to be bought in. They do. And, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Is I really just, the East feels like that. this is right. This just feels right. And I'm like, I think Missouri could go 6-6. Six and six. I think the obvious answer, and I've alluded to this already as well, Kentucky, Kentucky is the team yeah. that does it. I mean, you got them finishing third. And see, I just don't want to say that because I think they will finish third. Like, I, just, I just said a team that could not meet expectations. You're right. And Kentucky fits that bill for me, mainly with their trouble oh, that they've had throwing the football. When was the last time that Kentucky, that Kentucky could literally throw the football? Like efficiency. When was the last time? Was it like Randall Cobb? <laughs> who was their quarterback way back when? Or like third? Uh, no, not thirteen. Why, why did I think back all that way? Uh, Seventeen. Like who was their quarterback circa oh. two thousand seventeen? SEC media days. He was there. It was Steven something, right? Yes. This is why I need my my two thousand seventeen Phil Steele magazine. And, but. And- I remember that because that was kind of that was the first year that Kentucky started getting really noticed football wise and thinking, okay, this team could do stuff in Steven in Johnson. Football. Yeah. And he really wasn't even that great at throwing the football. I'm just saying. He was fine. But that was the last time that and he was a Nick Marshall type. Like he was he was a worse version of Nick Marshall at throwing the football. And some people out there are like, well, Nick Marshall wasn't very good at throwing the ball. He got better. Yeah, and 2014 good was 2014 good. year, yeah. So, like, he was a much worse version of, like, the 2014 version of Nick Marshall. But, like, I can't remember a time when Kentucky had a quarterback that could distribute the football with consistency. And I don't know if that's changed this year. Joey Gatewood is in a position battle. We already know he can't throw the ball. 
And Will Levis lost his job to Sean Clifford, who is, in my opinion, a much worse quarterback at this point, what we've seen, especially considering he's, he's he, I, I shouldn't say much worse, but I think he's been in the same vein of disappointing like Bo Nix. You don't look at his stat line. I mean, he's like 60%. He's going to throw 12, pick, uh, 12 touchdowns, 7 picks. Uh, you know, Sean Clifford was not good for Penn State last year. Big reason why they were underwhelming. And he lost the job to Sean Clifford and had to go and leave and go elsewhere. And is Kentucky really a step up from leaving Penn State? No, I don't, I don't think so. And so now in results, they may finish about the same. But I'm well, just they, not. They played each other in that bowl game a few years ago. And then what? The other guy's name is Bo Allen, I think. Yeah, Bo Allen. And it's like you're, now you're getting into the same tier of like, okay, if Texas a going to struggle because of a true freshman quarterback, <laughs> so is Kentucky. Probably. I, I think they're doomed to fail these expectations. Kentucky with expectations <laughs> seems to be a, a dangerous thing. My issue, I just don't. I don't see Missouri or Tennessee leapfrogging them. That's my issue. I see Missouri doing it. They could. They're. They're. Yeah. They so, are. So, what about Kentucky's roster? Do you like more than Missouri's outside of quarterback? I mean, I think the offensive line's pretty good, isn't it? But does Missouri not have a decent offensive line? Right. That's fair. But I also like. I, only we'll, allowed we'll, 15 sacks last year, sir. 15. Now, they're not very good at run blocking. 3.9 yards per carry. Okay. So, not that good at run blocking. But pass blocking, they locked it down. Also, Kavosia Smoke, the guy that scored against Auburn last year. I think that I think that can be a good – a good. I think Kentucky's running game is going to be really good next year. And that's, and that's kind of my thinking with Texas A&M as Tyler well. Tyler Beatty's pretty good, though. 242 net, four touchdowns, five yards per carry. What did Smoke do last year? Kavose Smoke averaged, had 229 yards, one touchdown, 4.9 yards per carry. I'm just picking it apart, You're right. Man. You're right. But here's the thing. This is like a Lego set. You're right. You're right. My my point is, is I trust Kentucky a lot more than Missouri. Receivers? Let's look at receivers. I like Ronda, Wondell Robinson. You got me there. For Kentucky but like is he enough to move the needle against like Kiki Chisholm who wasn't half bad last year um they did lose Jalen Knox which okay I'll say the receivers are about the same Wondell Robinson's better so I'll say receivers about the same Kentucky does have the edge on the offensive line but I don't think it's so much so where it makes a difference in winning the games that would pole vault Missouri in front of them and then you look on the defensive side well, that's where you've got that's where you've got me beat. yeah Kentucky's the better team defensively but I also asked this question, though. I said this outside of quarterback. We know Missouri's got to beat at quarterback. Is that enough to bridge the gap there on defense to score enough points? Well, and my, my point is is that I think that Kentucky has enough pieces outside of the quarterback where maybe they can just drag him across the finish line. But, that, but they've never done that. They finished 7-5 and five every year on that, which would be doomed to fail to meet third in the SEC East. Is it, That's though? What, I, is it, though? I think Missouri's schedule sets up like a to where they can at least get to 8-4. Yeah. If they get 8-4, they, they actually, like, f- didn't hit their um, – they, they didn't they didn't achieve what they, yeah. what they could. Right. I, I think that ten, I think Kentucky get – they won 10 games a few years ago. I think they could get – I don't think Close. they can get 10 games without a quarterback, but someone halfway shows up at quarterback – then I think they could get to nine games and have a chance at ten. Of course, they're going to lose to Florida and Georgia, but I don't know. I, I just think that it all banks on the quarterback about them exceeding expectations, whereas I don't think that the quarterback's going to hold them back too much because of the other pieces. Well, they found a way to win without him, without it, for the most part. Glenn Bowden. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Went 8-5 and five that year. Chris Rodriguez. 
He's a stud. Yes, he is. Where do you think he did? Did you think he? Uh, do you think he got what he deserved? Preseason media poll. Well, he finished. Well, he was third he, team running back. It's tough to say because of all the experience you have coming back. You know, Zamir White is a question mark in my opinion with Georgia. Where, yeah, every, Georgia's always had great running backs in the past decade. Are we just assuming that he's going to fit that role, or is he really that good? Whereas, obviously, you have to have Tank Spiller and Harris above him, above White as well as Rodriguez, Robinson. It's kind of the same deal as Zamir White. And it seemed, if they listed this, I don't know how they listed this. I don't know if they listed him as the sixth running back. Because if he's a sixth running back, I I like to I imagine that they voted Robinson and and White above him just because, oh, they played for Georgia and Alabama. So, of course, they're going to be good. Where I think Chris Rodriguez has a chance to be one of the best in the SEC. Definitely top five. So, And talk about a guy who, once again, people are getting stacked into the box. Chris Rodriguez last year averaged 6.6 yards per carry and had 11 touchdowns. How does this guy well, get overlooked? Well, and my, and my point is is that they got a good O-line. but They figured they kind of figured it out last year where I think with an offseason, the O-line can possibly, possibly break through where the running backs finally get their recognition. Schedule's hard, too, though, Jacob. With Who, who's, their, who's their West team? LSU. Couldn't have drawn a, I don't think you could have drawn a worse one other than Alabama. Is that at LSU? It's a home game. Okay. But it's amidst a stretch of games where you play Florida, LSU, and Georgia. <laughs> really? In the middle of the schedule. Okay. That. <laughs> you play Florida, LSU at home, and then you get Georgia on the road. I think they lose all three of those games. Honestly, yeah. yeah I do. I think they lose all three. Of the, I, I think they may start out 4-0, but I, I honestly, I, I give the edge to Missouri right now in week two. And they're always. Oh, they play week two? Yeah, they're 1-4 one and four, one and four in SEC play. Uh, Kentucky schedule does not work. No, <laughs> it's it not good for them. No, it doesn't. You got to play. Uh, you know, then you get to the second half, and it's a slog when you're having to fend off Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, and Louisville, who are trying to reach bowl games, and Tennessee in the same boat. Vanderbilt and Mississippi State are on the road, and those two teams are both going to be probably still in. If Vanderbilt's at three or four wins at that point, they're still fighting for a bowl chance at that yeah. point they're trying to steal one you get their best game Mississippi State's going to be in the same position there that's still tricky Tennessee another team that's fighting to get get to a bowl game and that doesn't really matter where that game's played because Tennessee still has it has the players to go on the road to Kentucky and give them a good game I'm just saying the back half although the teams are worse like it's still not that easy this is a tough schedule it for, is. for Kentucky it gets real in October you're making me dislike Kentucky more and more now good. because good. I just haven't I bought know. this. I haven't drank this Kool-Aid all, all offseason. Because I, I would like them against Missouri if it wasn't week two. If it wasn't week two, them being at home and maybe if if they, you know, trade them in Georgia, and that's a much better schedule because you're going to lose Georgia no matter what. But now you have to play the team that you could beat later in the season. You play them week two when you're not established at all. That's That stinks. I mean, I could see – I guess – they're probably going to start off one and four in SEC play. That's exactly what I just said. Gosh, it's and awesome. then and then, like you said, those like those three games against Mississippi State, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt, they're they're better than those teams. And even if they start off one and four in SEC play, they're still talented wise. They're better than them unless their quarterback situation is just it's just off a lot the rails. of teams on their schedule that are better than them, and the rest is like 50-50, You know and it's a tough schedule for Kentucky. I just I think people voted that blindly, but 
Let's take a break here. We'll come back, wrap up the show. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Jacob Hillman with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Got about three minutes left of the show until the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Pack here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Follow Fox Sports Central Alabama on Facebook to keep up with the latest going on in sports. On the line, the drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more. All on Fox Sports Central Alabama on FoxSports983.com and on Facebook. That's Fox Sports 983 com fun show today talked a lot about conference realignment just talked a little bit about teams meeting expectations teams failing to meet expectations from that sec preseason media poll if you missed any of today's show go and find the podcast on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify stitcher iheart radio a lot of great stuff there and uh i think today's been a really solid show jacob any uh final thoughts before we get out here in the next couple of minutes how, how do you want to end the show today well i want texas and oklahoma to get Voted down. That'd be funny. <laughs> just because of all I the I want talk. it to happen. If, I mean, just think I don't about, want college football to change this much. And I think we're in a good spot. And that's where I, think I agree. We're in a good spot. Because I think the playoff expansion, it's kind of funny how draft, because, you know, we talk about the playoff expansion, we're like, okay, that's one thing. Whereas this just feels so much bigger. Does it not? Oh, no. The, the substance is changing. This isn't a physical change. True. This is a chemical change. Okay. That's. <laughs> never thought of it that way but that is yes. a great way to consider it for you physical science people out there <laughs> and um i don't know it's I'm just a nerd it's just a little bit it's just one of those things where i i think when we look back on it it won't be a huge deal but right now it's gonna take a lot of adjusting just thinking about the schedules changing thinking about like me like what i my question was what happens to the college football playoff what happens to these divisions to the schools and i mean like I said, I mean, having Baylor, TCU, and Texas Tech in the Pac-12 is weird to think about. Having Iowa State in the Big Ten, weird to think about. Obviously, Oklahoma and Texas in the SEC, weird to think about. And that's happening. But I don't know. And it's just it's just kind of – we know what the storyline all college football season is going to be. Even college basketball season, college baseball, all that's going to be talked about is what's going to happen next. And I think that's where we're at is – What's next? Is West Virginia, like we said, the next domino to fall? Is that the domino to dissolve the Big 12? Or do they come together and say, you know what, we're going to have the Big 12 survive and we're going to invite other schools in? And we, we don't know that. And that's why I hope happens, because I think that gives the chance for less change. Texas and Oklahoma joined the SEC. What matchup are you looking forward to? Oh, that's tough. Even if they don't join the SEC, we're going to get Alabama, Texas, because they have the schedule for like twenty thirty. I think, and you know, like Oklahoma and Florida, we saw that in the, in the bowl game. But I just that was weird. Ooh. Oklahoma, Florida was coming off the SEC championship. I want to see them in the regular season. What about home. Auburn, Texas? That's a game we haven't gotten to see. You're right, quite some time. I would, yeah, I would like to see Auburn and That'd Austin. Be a blast. I mean, we saw what happened to LSU. Went to Austin. Think about that the game traveling that we get to do, Jacob. Hey, make it 20 teams. Let's invite Colorado and BYU so we can get some views. You know, who else? The East Coast teams that are good. I don't know. Look, NASCAR thing now, so now when we go out west to these dusty places, we're set, right? <laughs> Fair. <laughs> That's it for another edition of On the Line. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. You know where to find us. <laughs>